Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 37. Episode 37. The long-awaited episode 37. Well, I think 36 was the long-awaited episode, because this is only going to be like half a week, and then they're getting another episode. That's true. We really should, like, like withhold it for a few more days. Oh, you know what I just realized? What? This is this is going to be the Christmas episode. Well, considering it's the end of December and there's snow outside my house, yeah, yeah, it's going to be the Christmas episode. <laughs> yes, the fact that we're just realizing that it is the Christmas episode should let you know that there's not going to be any sort of Christmas references at all. Oh, is it? Wait. One, two, three. There's like five days of Christmas. Yeah. I still have to figure out what to get my mom. Damn it. Me too, actually. I got Lauren done. That was nice. You gave her a wedding. Move on. <laughs> oh, oh! if only it were that simple. You have so much to learn, Dan. So much to learn. <laughs> you know, you're getting me up at 10 a.m. to do this. Shut up. Listen, listen, it's the only time we had to record. So, hey, before we actually, before we get into the uh, the meat of the episode, let's uh, do a, a quick word from our sponsor. Oh, well, by all means. Oh, that's right. You didn't listen to last episode, so uh, you don't know what I added in. No. What the hell did you do? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, okay. So we have an official sponsor now, arobasilver.com. They sell Green Lantern rings, and that's the short end of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, they're, they're gonna drop us so fast. <laughs> now, no, the 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 actual official fun commercial is gonna come later. Yeah. So this is just, uh, I guess, the the quick announcement of the sponsorship. Arobasilver.com. They have. Uh, all sorts of superhero rings and just other types of silver rings. But the reason that we love them is because of their Green Lantern rings. They have, like, a really, really nice, like, large selection of different Green Lantern rings. You can get Kyle Green Lantern rings. You can get Hal Jordan Green Lantern rings. They even have an Alan Scott silver Green Lantern ring, which is just absolutely insane looking. I I love that ring. I really love that ring. They even have, they just came out with a, a black, silver, green lantern ring, which is very new and very cool. They also have the, almost like a, like a high school kind of ring, where it's Earth's green lanterns, where they have a ring for each of the Earth's green lanterns with the, their particular green lantern symbol in the center. It says green lantern on top, and underneath it says, says their name, and on the side it's got, uh, got some other information. But you can actually pay a little extra. I think it's like, I'm not really sure. You can pay a little extra, and you can actually have your name put on the ring instead of Hal Jordan or Alan Scott or whatever. Actually, Alan Scott's not an option. So you could have Alan Scott put on there. (laughs) (laughs) But you, you can be one of Earth's Green Lanterns with one of those rings. It's very cool. Definitely check them out, arobasilver.com. And for a 10% discount, just type in the coupon code DSC10. That's capital D, capital S, capital C, 10, no spaces, and 10% off. So save some money and get some Green Lantern rings. Nice. That was completely on the fly. 
I think you're lying. Totally am not lying. The commercial, the commercial that we're going to put in later on, that's going to be cleverly orchestrated. I fear for us. <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> so, shall we jump right into discussion? What are we discussing this episode, Dan? We are taking a look at Blackest Night Wonder Woman number one, Adventure Comics 4 and 5, Rebels 10 and 11. And, yeah, I think all in all we got a pretty good stack here this week. Uh, hmm, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, want to start with Wonder Woman? I'll give the rundown. So, you got uh, Wonder Woman, she's going through the, uh, I guess that's the Washington Mall in Washington, D.C., I guess. Yeah, the main monuments. She's just, like, following a trail of, of dead, like, you know, cops and soldiers from Washington, D.C. that have been guarding this stuff. She's following the trail of Maxwell Lord. She knows that it's Maxwell Lord. You know, they give a quick quick little recap of some of the people that have died in her history. Her mother, Batman, and even Artemis. I, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't really sure that Artemis had actually died. I thought she was alive. I guess not. She looks clearly dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, e- it even says how Wonder Woman actually died, I guess when she went up against Neron, but I'm not really sure when that happened myself. Had to have been like Underworld Unleashed or something. Most likely. So, you know, again, she's she's following the trail of death. She finally makes it to the unknown soldier's grave, and there's Maxwell Lord sitting atop the grave. And... She knows that he wants her to be angry at, you know, all these murders that he that he just committed. But she's, like, glowing love because of, you know, the pride for, for the American soldiers. She lops off Maxwell Lord's head. They, you know, they go at it. They're fighting. You know, every time she cuts him apart, he starts putting himself back together. The typical thing for the Black Lanterns. And uh, then all of a sudden, the rest of the Black Rings come in. Just, like, raising, like, tons and tons of dead soldiers all around her, including the unknown soldier. And she's, uh, she's just beating everybody. She's, like, you know, constantly, you know, killing these Black Lanterns. They come back, fighting Maxwell Lord. Until finally she throws her lasso around her and a couple of soldiers she was trying to keep alive. It basically sets a bunch of them on fire, and... A second later, they're just little piles of ash, and uh, she thanks the you know the officers that were trying to help her, and she goes to fly off to Coast City. And as she goes to fly off, there's a uh, you know an ominous little uh, you know skull with a, a ring sticking out. It's Maxwell Lord. He's saying, "Go, I'll be seeing you again real soon." which would seem to indicate that he's not completely dead. Yeah. Well, you know, there's two more issues of this. Yes. <laughs> Touche. That's, that's like, the first thing I want to bring up. I think, like, this works really well as a one-shot. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't end the story or anything, but it's, like, this reads to me like any one of the hundreds or thousands of comics we've ever read where, you know... They do. They spend an issue, or they give an issue to end the story, and it's the hero beats the bad guy and moves on. 
but like there's a little thing at the end saying, oh, it might not be over, but they're still moving on to another story arc next issue anyway. Like this is that's the vibe I got from this one. Like like if yeah. Blackest Night Wonder Woman was just one random issue of Wonder Woman, like that's and it was this, I would totally buy it as just one issue. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's a good uh good observation. Well, what were your thoughts on the issue as a whole? As a whole, I really liked it. I think this is like like as far as the Blackest Night tie-in miniseries go, I think this is like already I guess I guess I'm looking I look at this kind of similar as I do Blackest Night Superman number 1 in that it's a re- I think it's a really strong first issue. You know, where it goes from there, I don't know, but like this issue by itself, I was happy with. Like the art is really good and the writing like I, I don't know, I just liked it. I overall liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that this is like I I wasn't a huge fan of the the Superman first issue and the Batman I thought was just okay but um, you know Titans after reading that one I really enjoyed that and this is this is definitely up there with with Titans like you said the art in this is is very good um, the writing is is very good as well I like how she's like being completely serious but then you have Maxwell Lord who's just like you know cracking wise we should say like Greg Rucka wrote it and Nicholas Scott drew it uh, who did art for this one? Art is... Nicholas. I mean, uh, colors, rather. Oh, Nay Rufino. Oh. I, I yeah. <laughs> the The colors, the colors are really good. There's this, there's one, uh, one issue where she's, like, chopping off Maxwell Lord's head, and, like, the colors in that particular, it's like one big splash page. The colors are amazing. Yeah. I, I especially love, like, the motion on the axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about how about the look in her eye? Like, she's, like, chopping the guy's head off, and she's just looking completely forward. Like, you know, it's just a dead body. It's a puppet. It means absolutely nothing. And she's already moving on, too. See, this is the thing that, like, not, I think not enough people see in Wonder Woman. Like, guys like Rucka and, like, maybe even DC in general go out of their way to, like, really drive home her as this kind of stoic, badass, like, just really, really good veteran soldier warrior who, you know, she, like, she above all, el- above all others, like, knows how to handle herself in a war, you know, mm-hmm. how to approach killing from that perspective. And, like, for all the talk that one gets, it's more it, the standard, like, should superheroes kill kind of thing when it's like, that's, that's not really the light they, they portray her in. It's like, it's not, it's not an issue of like, is this ethical behavior for superheroes? It's, is this the kind of thing a born and bred warrior would do? I think certainly that's completely lost on the non-comic reading media who just think of her as like, like, oh, she's like the female Superman kind of, right? And she has a rope and an invisible plane. And the people who do read comics kind of write her off in the same way, but like, Anytime I I read like just a random Wonder Woman issue or something with her in it, mm-hmm. I get like this like almost this glimmer of like, okay yeah, this is a character more people should be latching on to, not because of the brand, but because of the character. Um, well, I think I think some pe- I think people are justified in that there are definitely times where 
they do emphasize the fact that she's just like the female Superman. And, you know, it's like, well, we already have a Supergirl, and that particular book, you know, never does really all that well. So, I mean, you know, nobody really wants a female Superman. They want, you know, a distinct character. They want a Wonder Woman. They want a reason why she's part of the Trinity. And I have to say, like, after reading this, like, this was a very satisfying Wonder Woman story. Like, this above, like, most of what I've actually read of Wonder Woman. You know, I again, like you, I've read scattered issues here and there. And, like, I was never, I was never ever roped in to wanting to read more. But with this, like, I'm definitely looking forward to the next two issues of the miniseries, like, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Like, when she kept showing up as love, I, I got a little scared. Like, oh, are they going to go with, like, the crappy, like, oh, she's a warrior who loves f- battle and killing and all that. And then I went <laughs> back to the cover, just, I'm like, okay, it's Greg Rucka. They won't do that. Just it's Rucka. I had to double check. They won't do that. That would be so awesome. <laughs> That would diminish the character. That would be terrible. I know, but it ju- that would just be so funny. It's like, I love killing me for some people. <laughs> yeah, pi- yeah. picture that splash page that you you pointed out with her just, like, like squinting and her tongue out or something while she's talking <laughs> Oh, God, I would buy that page. <laughs> God. Oh. Um, yeah, but I love, like, Max's line here, but, like, uh, though she, uh, I forgot what she said. Like, but Max makes a comment on how like it's her this overwhelming love for all living things that she has, and that's why she comes off as that. You know, right? It's like she's a, she's a deep character. She's a, she's another one of those I don't think ever really got over. Super Friends. Well, not even Super Friends. I mean, like the the Justice League animated. Like, that was, that was a biggie where they were, like, they kept on trying to amp up her powers to the point where she was, like, a fill-in for Superman. Yeah, but it's like, that's, that's taking, alright, because I don't agree with, like, like taking it, like, okay, let's, let's judge the character based on their power set. Because, like, you might as well not write stories about them at that point. I, I never actually understood, like, why she had as many powers as she did anyway. You know, like, she's from a race of Amazons, and, you know, all the other Amazons can't fly, and, you know, they're all really good warriors, so I understand that. So, she was in a contest, and she was the fastest, so she was given, like, the Wonder Woman, you know, tiara, and the bracelets, and the lasso of truth. So, I mean, like, right there, she has, you know, amazing reflexes and speed. So that she can ricochet bullets. So she's effectively bulletproof, basically. And she's got the lasso of truth, which is a great weapon. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, enhanced strength because she's an Amazon, stuff like that. Like, those are all, like, a believable power set. But when, like, it's like, okay, all of a sudden her strength is now on par with Superman. Well, why? And she can fly. Again, why? I mean, you know, she used to have an invisible jet, which I okay, that's kind of kind of cheesy, but you know, like, why is she able to fly and none of the other Amazons are? I mean, is that some sort of like magical power that's given out because she had the Wonder Woman powers? That might be. It might also have something to do with her origin, because like, 
I don't know exactly, but I don't get the impression that the rest of the Amazons were like clay statues that were animated through magic or anything. She was like that's how that's her origin. Mm. And like plus they're in tight with the gods of Olympus or whatever. So and like they she's their champion or something. So it's like like okay, I can buy them giving her a boost or whatever cuz she won the the title. Uh, I mean, if we're getting into, like, you know, she's the champion of the gods of Olympus, then she should be yelling out Shazam when she calls upon her powers. Ah, different gods. <laughs> uh, is it? There was this... Did you read The Trials of Shazam from a few years ago? Oh, well, the new gods. You're talking about the new gods that they're getting the powers from, then. Well, the way it was presented in in there was, like... Okay, like like, like Zeus isn't a specific dude it's like a title like kind of like how every boss has like a manager there's not just one guy out there named manager so like the god like the the pantheon that captain marvel draws from has the same names as a lot of the guys that know the amazons but they're different beings kind of thing really i i didn't actually take that from that book no, they say it flat. Like I reread it like a month ago. <laughs> oh, I, I I interpreted that differently then. Oh well. Um, regardless, um, back to the actual issue at hand. A um, couple of things that I noticed. Let's see, three pages, six six pages in, I guess. She's talking to the soldiers, and in one of the yellow boxes, she's saying, "The Black Lanterns are not what nor who they appear to be." Ray Palmer, the Atom. God. As compassionate a soul as I have met, dash, dash, has confirmed this. Uh, like, right there, that's like, it's such an out-of-place thing to say that it's almost like they're telegraphing the fact that he's going to become an Indigo Lantern. You know what I'm saying? I like how you completely moved on from the John Stewart will become an Indigo Lantern thing <laughs> and latched on to Ray Palmer. Oh, I, I haven't. I haven't completely gotten rid of the idea that he'll be compassionate as well. But, I, you know, I mean, like, they just, they keep on emphasizing his compassion. Like, they even, like, write, like, you know, he's compassionate. That's a compassionate dude. Yeah. Here, basically, it's her inner monologue. And, you know, it's like Ray Palmer, the Adam, who, by the way, is super, super compassionate. He's confirmed <laughs> this. You know, it's 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 so... I don't know. It's it's just it's very uh oh what? <laughs> what? I I remember reading something very recently that next year it's you know it's the big Justice League thing. But there's also going to be some sort of like color war or something like that or something having to do with colors. Cuz what the well okay like, I, I'm not, I, it was very vague. It was very vague. Is, was it like one of those Dan DeZio things, or? No, it was probably on, like, bleedingcool.com. Like, rumors that, you know, they've heard for, for next year or something like that. But, uh, whatever the case may be, like, the, the, the general gist of it that I got was that, like, there would be some sort of, like, you know, different colored lights and stuff like that regarding the Justice League. And it didn't actually make any sense to me at that point, but now I'm starting to wonder. Because the other thing that they emphasize a lot in this is Wonder Woman's capability for love. Hmm. 
maybe the Justice League will be that multicolor council dealy late brigade guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if you have a Green Lantern, and if Wonder Woman becomes a Violet Lantern, Ray Palmer becomes Compassion Indigo Lantern. Hmm. That would be a wild story arc. I don't see it sticking around for longer than that, though. Oh, no, no. Yeah, definitely not. But, uh... Oh, damn it. Does that mean we're gonna have to buy, like, all of their monthly books next year? <laughs> oh, man. I-, I will be. I probably will be. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, eh, maybe that won't happen. Maybe, maybe I read it wrong. Maybe that's just craziness. But it maybe maybe they're just like sending out rumors now to like to completely throw everybody off. Well, either way, I think most of the stuff we've been talking about, like if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen before Blackest Night is over. Cuz it's like there's 3 issues to go and it's, so it's kind of late in the game to introduce anything new that we haven't seen yet. So I'm oh. thinking like like, if they do pursue the Ray Palmer Indigo thing, it'll be after Blackest Night. Same thing with, like, the Mother Mercy thing and, like, most of the entities and whatever. Like, I was super confident that Sodom Yat would come out of the sun before this is done. Now, I'm not really thinking so. Well, I think I think there's definitely a possibility to see Mother Mercy before this is over. Before Blackest Night has reached its conclusion. Just because we haven't seen a lot of the Indigo... And I think, like, that's that's what the the Black Lanterns are, like, trying to get at right now. So it would it would definitely make sense to, to show more Indigo. And if Mother Mercy is attached to it, then I think that could come out before the end. Um, the Ray Palmer thing, like, again, like, it's Indigo, so everybody wants to see more Indigo. I could see that happening, like, maybe the last issue. Like, everything's, you know, being cleaned up, and they offer him a ring. Like, the last couple pages or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, uh, as far as the entities, um, it is late in the game. It's definitely late in the game. You know, so far we've seen, like, three, and we know that there's a black, and we know that there's an orange, but we don't know anything about them. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, the one time we saw the Predator, it was for the purpose of setting it loose to roam around the universe. Like, tell me that's not setting up, like, future story arcs. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think the Predator's just gonna randomly show up on Earth and start fighting Necron. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... At this point, I don't know. I, I'd say that there's there's still, like, a good chance that we will see some of the stuff. But But you're right, you know, with only three issues left... You know, it is a high likelihood that we won't see everything. Yeah. The only thing with Mother Mercy is, like, like I don't think Mother Mercy is going to have been there from the start of the Indigo Core or anything. Like, I think she's going to come in a lot later after they've been around for a bunch of years. That's a possibility. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that one as well. But, you know, the other thing is I don't know because... It could could have been like the kind of thing where, with your theory that Indigo One is the baby that Abin Sir saved from Yasmalt in. Well, not my theory. Oh, whose theory was that? Well, that was like, I don't know, I heard somebody else on the internet say it. It made sense, so oh. I'm I'm not gonna take credit for it, but. Oh, okay. So not Dan's theory. 
<laughs> of it, Indigo One being the baby from Tigers. Um, it could be that she's been on a search for the Indigo Light since then to try and, you know, stop the, uh, you know, the spread. But maybe she eventually hooked up with uh, Mother Mercy to recruit people or something like that. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if it's necessarily something you can find on purpose. Um, I guess getting back to it a little bit. This this issue, like, th- I, I like this. I like how it's placed, because mm-hmm. you, you kind of know exactly when it happens. Because, like, like the, we get the, t- the unknown soldier rising. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, in, like, issue t- what, t- two or something of Blackest Night, there was that scene where Firestorm enters the Hall of Justice and sees all the TV monitors. And one of them had the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier with him, like, like, kind of ripping up people and yelling, like, I have a name, my name is blank. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is, like, right then. I like it. Yeah, but, however, I don't think Max- Maxwell Lord came out of the graves until, like, I don't know, was it issue three or four? I don't know. I think there's definitely there's there's definitely some kind of like conflict there because Maxwell Lord was definitely not out of the graves before like all these soldiers were started rising. And then the other thing is like there was never a percentage in this, so you don't know exactly you know if it's before or after. And then all you have at the end is that we all need to converge on Coast City, meaning that like it's it's right before issue five. Hmm. So it's kind of like a best of for the moments. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Continuity-wise, it doesn't really fit perfectly, but I mean, like, you kind of have to suspend that for slightly, just a little bit, and enjoy the story. It's nothing major either, so it's like okay. It's like I just, I just blindly accepted it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm, I'm more focused on like, like the fact that okay, the first three minis. We knew, like, those were just for the sake of getting us to 100%. Like, what's, what's, what's gonna do now? Like, this can more, this can play more in the, the current Blackest Night state of things, whereas right. the other minis were just kind of catching up to that one moment. But it's like, it's kind of like how we don't know exactly where Blackest Night is gonna go from here. Like, we have some, like, good ideas, but we don't know how it's gonna go down. And, like, that's kind of how I feel about, like, I mean, I don't know what the hell the next two issues of this miniseries are going to do. <laughs> I'm assuming we're going to see, like, well, it says in the end here, like, next, Black Lantern, Wonder Woman, but it's like, okay, is it going to start with her getting to the battle, or what's, what's like, is she going to be a Black Lantern when we start up, or, like, what the hell is going to happen here? Like, how much recap is there going to be versus how much new stuff, and, like, I don't know, there's, I like it when there's this many question marks. <laughs> yeah, um... I, I'll say that... Oh, is that Black Hawk? Where? Uh, on the, uh... The last... Well, not not the last page, but right near the end where she throws down the lasso and it starts burning. Oh, yeah, it's a Black Hawk. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, what you call it? Like, as far as, like, the, the continuity issues of this one, um, really the only issue is that 
for where this issue is supposed to take place, all of these dead people and the unknown soldier, you know, they should already have been out of their graves. And realistically, like, this this story makes a lot more sense. So while it's nice that they had that slight little, you know, image on the monitors that showed, you know, this happening, you know, like, here it's actually being told in a story. So, like, you know, this one, I, I would say it takes more precedence. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, like, like the inconsistencies were so little, like, I didn't yeah. even, it didn't even register with me. Like, honestly, I, 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 I didn't even, like, bat an eye at that stuff. I thought it was a little weird that all the Black Lanterns she incinerate, like, turned into these little uniform piles of ash. And that, and that's pretty much where my, like, my, uh, axe to grind with the issue stopped. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's interesting that her her lasso of truth is able to do this. I think it's just like a friction thing. Like what? What do you mean? Like, like you know, like if you hit like a a piece of metal against like concrete or something, it might like spark a little bit. I think right. this was the same thing, except with a rope. Like, well, I don't I don't know what the what her rope is made of. It's made of truth. That can do whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it's, her, it's her magic rope. It made a spark on the ground that caught corpses on fire. There. The end. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, are they... Did they just get incinerated? Or were they, like, actually... Uh, or were they actually, you know, connection severed? Well, they they go out of their way to fill up panels with connection severed whenever it happens. Like, I took this as the exact same thing as Batman and Robin shooting them with flamethrowers. Hmm. Only cooler. <laughs> yeah, I, the fact that Maxwell Lord will be coming back, basically, would would seem to imply that that's the case. But, you know, the fact that yeah. I guess that the little piles are still, like, smoldering and nothing's regrowing quite yet. I don't know. It, it, it makes me wonder. It definitely makes me wonder. It's not like they just, like, immediately pop back up. Mm, we'll see. I, you know, it could it could be the kind of thing where, you know, they they all burn up and incinerate into little piles, and they just kind of, like, stay like that until she's gone, so that way there's no way, nobody to defend all these remaining soldiers. Maybe how long it takes them to come back is proportional to how much damage is done, you know, like cut his head off, he can just pick it up immediately and put it right back on. But, like, incinerate the body completely, and it'll take a minute. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, the the uh, art on this last page is really cool. The I'll be seeing you soon? Or the Doctor Who ad? <laughs> no, I meant, I meant just above that, like, where she's, like, talking to the soldiers and just putting the, uh, the lasso back on. It's really just, like, it's fantastic art. I'm looking forward to this for the art alone. I mean, the story is really good, but the art is just terrific. Hey, this is going to be dumb, but, like, it was weird to me that Maxwell Lord had a noose around his neck. Since, like, he had his neck snapped, not strangled, but, like, that was just me. And I know why they did it. Like, it's, like, a cool visual since he died from a neck-related thing and... The woman who killed him uses a rope, so it's like, okay. 
<laughs> but I'm like, why would the Black Lantern Maxwell Lord really go out and like get a rope and tie his own neck with it? And, although he did take the time to write some notes on the ground. Well, well, the other the other interesting thing is that when the neck when his head gets chopped off, the rope doesn't get come it doesn't uh, come undone at all. So much magic rope in this. <laughs> yeah, you chop off the the head, and you know all of a sudden the rope can slip off. But uh, oh, and the other thing. When he's sitting on the grave of the unknown soldier, this is pretty cool. Mm. His body is facing towards you, and his head is facing yeah. back. That's a nice. If touch. they do a Maxwell Lord action figure, you better be able to turn the head all the way around. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so you you had better have spotted that you're a pain in my neck thing he wrote on like page four. Oh God. Five. Wait. His message in blood on, like, next to the panel where she's looking at the Washington Monument on the recap of Dead People page. Oh, my God. You didn't see that? Oh, no. Oh, that's an awesome catch. You're a pain in my neck. That's awesome. Let that be a note to you. If you want me to notice something, scroll it out in blood. <laughs> yeah, no, I just saw the, the one on the first page ready for a rematch. Um, yeah, the other thing that I wanted to mention was the, the cover. The, uh, the regular edition cover. Which is the regular? <laughs> the one with Greg Horn. I can't tell know? anymore. It's a Maxwell Lord, and he's, like, you know, trying to snap her neck on the cover. It's a very, very cool-looking cover. What was the other cover? Uh, I think it was by Ryan Sook. Um, it, it was a nice-looking cover, too. But I'm glad that they did not make this the variant cover. Because this one is like, this one's really, really pretty. That's all I wanted to say. I never know. I never know. Because they like, because they only ever seem to advertise one cover or the other now. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll find out months later that there even was a variant cover. And I always just assume the cover I get is the standard one. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, actually, uh, the way that I know, I go to thecomicaddiction.com whenever Corwin does a uh, a review or or basically anybody you know on the site you know whenever they do a review of a comic they post an image it's like a like a rotating gif gif file and uh, it shows you know first the the regular issue and then it switches over to the variant and then switches back and forth oh yeah no, and that's how i find out about half of these things yeah yeah so Everybody go to thecomicaddiction.com. There's a whole bunch of reviews, and you can see what all the variant covers of these Green Lantern issues look like. A little plug for Corwin. Yeah. Well, it's Christmas, you know. <laughs> it's an invaluable resource, actually, because, like, I'm always curious what the covers, what the variant covers do look like. Oh, yeah, and I'll go there, and I'll, I'll see as the things, like, alternating out, and I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself, did I read that? Oh, it's that one. All right. Yeah. Yeah, what you call it? The most recent Green Lantern core issue, which came out this past week. Was it? Yeah, this past week. Um, I haven't actually seen the the variant for it yet. I'm kind of kind of interested in seeing that one soon. I think I I think we have. Oh, wait, no. I'm thinking of another issue. Never mind. But I'm sure that review will be up soon. Yes. I wonder when Cause like like, I I get a DCBS box like every two weeks basically, mm-hmm. and my next one should have been December twenty sixth, 
but that's like the day after Christmas. Oh. And it's like in that holiday week thing, so like I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, am I gonna get the next Green Lantern Corps before January? <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. I can't imagine having to wait that long. <laughs> oh, like, I'll make do. Like, this week, I've been so busy, I couldn't get to my comic shop, but I uh, I was able to stop at, at a comic shop, and the only thing I picked up was the Green Lantern Corps issue. I had to read that, but we won't discuss it here. No. <laughs> okay, next. Should, should we move on to... Adventure Comics, but written by 2009 Spike TV Scream Award-winning writer Jeff Johns. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, you see what I was talking about? I told you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you did. There's a you lot know, of there's a lot of cover stuff going on here. Seriously, like this cover would be such a beautiful cover, and, and you know it is a beautiful cover. But like you have. The, the Blackest Night bar at the top, letting everybody know that it's a tie-in. You have Adventure Comics going across the top, which, okay, you need the title page. That's necessary. Yeah, a little circle of 2009 Spike TV Scream Award winner, Jeff Johns, best comic book writer. That's, you know, that's up in the, the top right corner. You got the barcode in the bottom left corner. On the bottom, you have second feature, Legion of Superheroes. You know, in the corner of... Uh, the UPC code and the bottom bar, you have who wrote it, you know, right above that, featuring Superboy Prime. Plus, it's kind of a busy image already. Yeah. Oh, man. So looking at the cover now, it would have been cool to see that uh, that Spike TV thing as, like, a word balloon coming out out of the uh, Legionnaire's mouth at the bottom, because he's kind of screaming. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> 2009 Spike TV! <laughs> Uh, and I think the the cover that he's that Superboy Prime is actually bursting out of is the cover for Action Comics no, Adventure Comics number one. Yeah, the Francis Manipal. Yep. Oh boy. Yeah, I I mean like they took this beautiful cover and they just like, oh man, they just kept on putting things on top of it. They should have like take taken like the extra effort and like like. Xerox some, like, coffee rings and just, like, written notes on it. <laughs> Little box, like, do you like this issue, yes or no, click, check yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, another another box in the, the bottom right corner. It's like, this comic's really good. It's like, we promise. <laughs> just, just random notes. <laughs> like, what else, can, what else can we do? Oh, let's print the cover upside down. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Up by the number, like, just below the number, it's like, we're almost at our 75th anniversary. <laughs> like, <laughs> a little arrow pointing at Superboy Prime saying, hey, look, look, it's Prime. He's the main character in this story. <laughs> in uh, all of this, Jeff Johns would be the voice of reason, being like, hey, guys, seriously, I'm the 2009 Spike <laughs> TV Scream <laughs> Award winner. Don't mess with my book. Oh... <laughs> uh... Man. Do you think okay. he has a t-shirt that's just... It's just a black t-shirt that says that on it? <laughs> that he just wears? <laughs> oh. I don't know. Okay, so... Why, why don't you give a recap? Why don't you just give a recap of both of them together? Four and five? Alright, that's easy. Like, Alright, basically, without spoiling another story arc, 
Superboy Prime ended up home. He's on Earth Prime. Earth Prime is us. It's the real world. It's where we live. It's where they have DC Comics or whatever. And his family and friends are, like, just, like, pissing their pants in fear of him because they've read, like, Infinite Crisis and the Sinestra War and all that. So they know all the horrific things he's done. So he's playing up the stereotypical comic nerd role, and he's living in his parents' basement, <laughs> like, posting angrily on the DC Comics message board, which, you know, shout out to the DC message board, I guess. Um, <laughs> when he reads in the solicitation for this issue, this issue right here, he's reading the solicit for adventure... Oh, no, he's reading the issue. Sorry, I didn't open the yeah. book yet. <laughs> he's reading this issue. And he's he's like, oh, crap, because he sees the same first page that we see. And he's just kind of looking out at the reader. And he realizes, like, okay, I'm about to get attacked by Black Lanterns. So he goes to his comic shop, and he's he's trying to find the second issue. He's trying to find Adventure Comics number five to find out what the hell happens to him. Because, you know, the solicitor for number five says he dies, apparently. Meanwhile, in DC Earth, that's that scene in uh, Blackest Night 4 where everybody gets out of the filing cabinets in the Hall of Justice. <laughs> that happens. And, filing like, Alexander cabinets. Luther's in... Yeah, Alexander Luther is there. And, you know, it, it uh, it's something I thought was kind of weird, but it actually makes a lot of sense, considering it's Alexander Luther, and who the hell is he going to go after that would resonate? Well, Superboy Prime. And what does Alexander Luther do? Well, he, he teleports to other universes or what? He becomes a doorway. He does this stuff. So he grabs a handful of black rings, just comes to Earth Prime, goes to a comic book store, which is awesome, <laughs> and, and he just picks a fight with Superboy Prime in the comic book store. Like, the, the guy behind the counter and the one other customer thinks this is the greatest thing ever, which I kind of w- agree. <laughs> and, and, like, there's all there just erupts this massive battle between Superboy Prime, Black Lantern Alexander Luther, and the Black Lanterns of like a bunch of other people Prime has killed, like from the Legion and from like the Titans and stuff. I couldn't recognize most, but I could pick out a few so I can say it confidently that they're from the Legion and the Titans and stuff. And and Prime goes on this like mad like like like, this isn't just stories, this is my life kind of thing. So he busts into the DC Comics office, still fighting Black Lanterns, and just starts chasing Dan DeDio around a hallway. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he eventually, like, like Alex teleports him home. They're sitting in his comic room. Just, they're, they're still wailing on him because they're still Black Lanterns. Then... Prime's like, all right, you know what, screw it. If I can't beat you, I'll join you. He grabs a black ring out of the air, and he just puts it on. He experiences the full Skittles commercial deal, and he just... It it overloads his ring, and the Black Lanterns are, like, gone. They're totally murdered, to borrow from you. And he's, he's like, what the hell's going on? What am I doing? This isn't me. I don't want this to be me. I just want to be loved, especially by Lori. Hey, look, there's Lori. And it's, she runs down the stairs. She's not afraid of him anymore. They get a big hug. But, oh, no, she's wearing a Black Lantern ring. The end. The end. Well, did, <laughs> wait, did it have a the end question mark? No. I need to see. Just just the okay. end. Okay. Cool. What did okay. you think? <laughs> oh. 
Well, I mean, like, the first issue I thought was good. I thought the first issue was very, very clever. I like the, uh, you know, like the subtle, you know, tie-ins between the real world and, you know, and the comics. Like the first page. Subtle? No, no, yeah. subtle. <laughs> Not so much subtle. Uh, the Batman R.I.P. poster. the around the hallway. <laughs> I, I, wait, no, I was talking about the first issue first. Yeah, in the first issue, like, you know, you have the Batman R.I.P. poster, a Superman DC direct action figure. Oh, was that Cyborg Superman? Yeah. Yeah, he's got the Cyborg Superman. That's the really good one. That's the most expensive DC direct figure, I think. Really? Yeah, it's... Weird. I have that one. It's... It's a beautiful figure. Um, anyway. Yeah, you know, you have, like, the covers to Green Lantern and Superman and stuff like that on the second page, all the action figures. I mean, like, stuff like that is very cool. It, it gives, like, his, his backstory so that you know, you know, what happened to him. And, you know, it, it's it's cool. It's a good story. I like the battle. I think some of the... Uh, the people that he's fighting, the Black Lanterns, might be from the Blood Pack. I have no idea. Like, honestly, hang on. Where's the page? Where is the page? Oh, God. Here it is. Like, I recognize, like, the one that's on fire is the, um, the, the one version of Sunboy that he killed in Legion of Three Worlds. And... I think the dude with the cape next to him is one of, like, the element lads or something, also from that same arc. Mm. So that's how I'm like, okay, that's... They're Legion people. I think the person with the glowing guns is from a Legion villain or something. I thought, no, no, I think... The the one with the glowing guns, I think, is Argus from the Bloodsport. The Blood... uh, Yeah, Blood Pack. Do you, you remember Bloodlines? Bloodlines way back in the day? I never read any of it, but I, rem- I always see the covers when I flip through back issues. Because um, I think a bunch of them were, you know, fighting in, uh, was it Infinite Crisis? Hmm, maybe. Um, and I think that giant, like, bug-like lizard creature with the butterfly wings, I think that's that's another one of the, the blood pack people. Okay, why not? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um I feel like the one with the swords is from the Titans or the Legion, though. I don't know who it is. I can't remember. But, uh... I mean, like... The couple of, I, I guess, issues that I had with uh, with this was the fact that, like... Um... Luther just kind of, like, sprays him with energy. And turns him back into, like, the big, bad super, Superman Prime kind of thing. Superboy Prime. They can say that now. <laughs> but it says Superman Prime in the issue. Does it? Yep. Oh, that's stupid. I glazed yeah. over that. I hate yeah. I hate that. Oh, they probably did that on purpose, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, the, the whole thing with the action figures, I, I like that. Like, right, right next to that page, you have the Infinite Crisis uh, Earth Prime Superboy. 50% off. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants him. It probably is. Nobody wants the character. Yeah, so, like, that that first issue, I really liked. The second issue, like, you know, I, I'll say that I did like the art quite a bit. Um, 
You know, the second issue, you know, again, fight scenes, really cool. And then when they crash into DC Comics, like, it was cool for, like, the first page, and then it just kept going, you know, page after page, and you have all these references of people in the DC, you know, comics office and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of the, the characters just look very clearly photo-referenced. You know, it's like, oh, this is bas- this issue is basically just going to be a shout-out to the people that work at DC Comics. And, and that, that I thought was a bit much. Um, they transport him back to his home, and... Yeah, like you said, you know, they, you know, he can't beat them, so he grabs the ring. And as they said, he does die. You know, the the ring converts him into a Black Lantern, so he dies for like an instant or so. And then a whole bunch of weird things happen with the ring, which I have no idea why. That was weird. It might be a combination of things. You know, it might be like the fact that he chose to take the ring. It didn't take him. Because I think, like, the underlying point of this scene in general was to get, like, just blatantly tell you, like, what the hell is up with Superboy Prime as a character. Because everybody just kind of accepts him as, like, the whiny bitch and moves on hating him. So it's like, alright, what's really going on inside him? I can understand that as a plot device, but it's still very odd that, you know, like, the ring is just, like, creating these different emotional powers well that's, that's it it's not creating it it's like it's a, it, we're, we're almost like seeing like black lantern vision turned back in on itself here like i'm not even clear if like oh does he spit fire at somebody yeah he yes. does yeah okay. he gains the full-on red lantern powers i what i do think is interesting like because yeah so that that whole thing while it was very cool to see I mean, it leaves me with more questions than answers. Like, you know, what the hell is going on there? But, you know, like, the nice touch was that um, on the last page, when they give him back Lori, it's like her black ring is, you know, showing that he has hope. So, like, you know, after that, that whole thing, you know, he basically burned away all of his anger and all the other emotions, and now it's back to, you know, where he used to be at one point, back to his core, which is hope. That is the thing, yeah, because they even reference in here, like, uh, they said somewhere in here, like, like he's a lot of rage with hope at the center or something like that. Yeah, and he's like, well, I used to only be hope, but, you know, yeah, you know, he got corrupted and angry and stuff like that. Yeah, because that's the thing, because at first I was like, huh, I wonder why they didn't show the full range, why they only picked that four or five, but it's like, when, it's it's basically every every color that manifests is explaining, like, how it's associated with a negative part of his personality, you know? Well, he ran through the whole spectrum. Not all of it, no. Yes. Wait, 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 alright, hang on. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Six. He ran through all of them except for one. Greed. No. He didn't do greed. He did do greed. Yeah, he did. Yes. Which which freaking one did he not do? Hope. That was the last oh, one. Oh, that's true. <laughs> he burned off all of the emotions except for hope, and that's the last one that he stuck with on that last page. Hmm. You understand now? Yeah, no, yeah, I get it. I, 
I forgot he did. Cause I, I think I like, I totally blew past one of them. Okay. But, uh, so I guess this is their, you know, their way to redeem Superboy Prime. Maybe. Cause I mean, like, it's, it's definitely better than just leaving him on Earth Prime the way he was. I wonder, like, is this gonna be, like, the last word on Prime, or, like, is John's gonna bring him back again? I mean, I can't really imagine, like, leaving it on this note. You know, leaving the character, like, after all that he's been through, now he's finally, you know, back at his core, you know, he's, he's at, he has hope again. But, the one that he loves, who, I, I thought she died. She did die, didn't she? I was trying to remember that. I couldn't remember if he, like, did he kill her? No. Wait, okay. Yeah, I can't remember if he killed her or if she's just afraid of him. I think it was one of those things where, oh, uh, well, alright, Earth Prime, like, ah. Uh, you know, the other day, yeah. Rob asked me, like, okay, the, since the multiverse was destroyed in the first crisis, does that mean Earth Prime was destroyed and we all died? I had to think for a few minutes. Because, <laughs> like, I, I think the impetus here is that, like, like Earth Prime came back with the multiverse in Infinite Crisis. So, like, his family and Lori were all killed off in the first crisis. But, like, I don't think he did anything to her. Yeah, no, I think she was just scared of it. I, but then I don't know what's up with her arm. Like, did he break her arm? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember, but there was definitely something that happened. And I could have sworn that he, like, accidentally killed her by setting her on fire or something like that with his, his heat vision. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Maybe. Which, that would make sense, like, for her to be a Black Lantern now. She is kind of pale. <laughs> Maybe she's a vampire. Yeah. I was going to say, like, because we have seen Black Lanterns look like regular people, but yes. we haven't seen them simulate regular people clothes like this before. <laughs> Maybe she stopped at the gap. Now, let me ask you this, because some people have been, like, saying, like, okay, the the Black Lantern ring she's wearing on the last panel, right? it's glowing white, and the color scheme is totally inverted, like... Do you take that as anything beyond the colorist doing stuff? Or is this supposed to be, like, what he went through had ramifications on one of the rings? Um, no, no, that's... I I think that's just a colorist thing. I would say almost beyond a doubt. Because, like, if you look closely, the band is definitely black. You know, it has a white shine to it from the reflection of the light that's glowing, but the ring itself is black. So I think, you know, the energy coming off is, you know, the white light or whatever is just, you know, the the shine of the Black Lantern ring like they do. See if it shows it anywhere else. You can kind of see it, one of the uh, the pages where they're in the office, and Luther is saying, is this all about rage? Yeah. Um, and there's a ring flying around. The colors are inverted there as well, on the ring that's flying around. So, that's probably just an artist's choice. Yeah, I'm, as I'm looking at the DC office thing, like, I think it's cool that they, like, put their actual staff into it. 
But yeah. I think like the point of it was almost totally lost by the fact that nobody knows what they their staff looks like. Like I'm sure Jeff Johns is in this issue somewhere. I just have no idea. <laughs> well, I didn't notice him and like uh I I can't imagine why he would be cuz he's in California. So they have like, they have a freaking Black Lantern battle going on in the DC editorial room. They can have Jeff Johns be in the wrong city. <laughs> like, is he the guy in the blue shirt, like kind of all shifty eyed at the top there? Oh, uh, you mean like what are you? No. Oh, that. next to that panel, the panel where with the late the woman screaming and like the two guys okay. running away. Yeah, no, no, that doesn't really look like him. That doesn't look like 2009 Spike TV Scream Award winning writer Jeff Johns. <laughs> no. Well no, then, what what does what, who do, who does look like 2009 Spike TV Scream Award winning writer Jeff Johns? Oh boy. We're gonna get so good at saying that really fast. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> um, my one complaint about issue four is that I feel like we kind of got gypped in terms of like Easter eggs, because I mean you're 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 setting this in the real world that we all live in. Yeah. And you're looking at his comic room, like, it's it's cool that he has all the long boxes and he has the, uh, the showcases and, like, the RIP poster and whatnot, but, like, like, they could have done a lot more with that. And, like, like, especially when he goes to a freaking comic store. Yeah. They could, there's no end to what they could have put in there. Like, it just felt like, like, oh, come on. You couldn't even have that bin of toys be 52% off? Come on. That would have been funny. That that would have been a nice touch. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate the ones that they did throw in there. I thought it was so weird that, like, like they they've they clearly go out of their way to impose, like, or to superimpose real covers onto some of these things. Like, like in the whole, like, the first couple pages where he's reading Adventure Comics number four, and you see all the Blackest Night books on his floor, and in the right. comic shop when you see the the guy holding Adventure Comics number three. But then you look at the comic rack, and it's cl- clearly somebody just, like, drew some circles on, like, a square to stand <laughs> in for actual covers. It's like, why, what? They're not that much smaller than the ones that they did put. I, I think that's basically just an issue of, uh, you know, the time that it would take to, to draw in, you know, all those covers. They should have. If not for us, then for our children's children, because clearly this story is going to be the next Watchmen. Did you notice that uh, the guy buying comics when when uh, Superboy Prime comes in there, his bag says "Free Comic Book Day"? Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, like there are a lot of uh, of you know like little hidden things in there. Plus, now we know when Free Comic Book Day is in continuity. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy ringing him up has Wally's new Flash symbol. Um, what do you call it? Like, when he, like, uh, grabs the, the comic book store owner, and you see those comics in back of him, you know, like, they're basic, but I have a feeling that they're, like, you know, they are inspired by things. I just can't seem to find it myself. Yeah. You notice the, uh, the comic book fan that, that went into the comic book shop who eventually gets, uh, zapped? He's got a Superman belt buckle. Oh, yeah. Wow, Jesus. They can do that, but they can't draw on all the covers. Bastards. Yeah. We should show up at DC just dressed like Superboy Prime. No, I'll be a Black Lantern, you be Superboy Prime, and we'll just, like, fight. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't remember where the rumor was started, 
that uh like Adventure Four would be like Blackest Night five and a half or something. Yes. But uh not so much. <laughs> not so much. Yeah, well well, here's the thing. As it stands right now, yeah. Like there's it's not it's not that big. However, you know, we don't know what's what's going to happen from the end of this, you know, of number five. So, you know, it could very well be that Superboy Prime, you know, <laughs> gets brought back to, you know, the DC Universe now as a, you know, like a redeemed character. As like some sort of like last minute, you know, hero to help them out or whatever. And, you know, if that happens, then you're going to be wondering, it's like, oh, no, what, you know, where did this happen? And you're going to want to go pick up four True. and five. Um, what do you call it? Okay. Uh, we have Rebels 10 and 11. Before that, before that, did you read either of these backups? Um, I read the backup for the Action Comics number five. That was pretty <sighs> good with Superboy. Yeah. I didn't make it through number fours. I, you, you're, you're going to... Is number four in front of you right now? Oh. Oh, that. Yeah, you, oh. you're gonna you're gonna want to open up to page six of the Legion backup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got. Let's see. Let's let's start with the obvious ones. Blue Devil. We have Kid Devil. We have Raven. Mm-hmm. We have Zaytana. Mm-hmm. And then we have Torquemada and Alan Scott. Oh yes, and they are entombed on like a magical world in the future. Yeah. Now. The one thing that I noticed about this, and I guess it's just artist interpretation, although it could be it could be something else. It could be that like, you know, something happens in the future. But Alan Scott is wearing a regular Green Lantern ring, not his not his actual yeah. mystical ring. And it's on his ring finger, not his, you know, ring finger. <laughs> yeah. Bastards. Who did the art for this? Clayton Henry. I like the art. Me too. Beautiful art. It's, like, clean. It's just cartoony enough. I like it. It's a shame, though, because, like, like, I'm interested in the Legion. I would like to read about them. I feel like these backups are totally the wrong way to approach it, though. Because, like, the story here is called Long Live the Legion Part 4. And so far, all four parts of this are completely unrelated, like, bits of other stories about different Legion characters. Mm. Which, I mean, if you... If you, like, put them all together in one issue and called that issue Long Live the Legion and made it, like, a little anthology thing, that would be cool. But, like, it's just, like, I don't know. It feels like this is the totally the wrong way to present the Legion. Yeah, I mean, I guess my take on it is that I don't really care so much about the Legion. It's more so, like, the the role that Green Lantern may play in the Legion that has me interested. I mean, I read Legion of Three Worlds, and while there was some Green Lantern stuff in there, especially in the first half, like, I just got into it, because I was curious about the Legion and their various incarnations and how it was coming together, and I'm like... And I did read, like, Mark Wade's Legion book for a while. When Supergirl came in and they just started doing weird things with it, I stopped. I'm not opposed to reading about the Legion. I like the concept, and... Three Worlds got me wanting a like a Legion book again. So it's like, okay, come on, do something with them. And it's they're giving them like 10 pages a month when they have like 
a thousand characters, yeah. and they're giving us these completely unrelated bursts of story that don't interconnect at all, even though they're bar- they're promoting it as like parts one, two, three, and four. You know? Yeah, yeah. I I picked up issue three of Adventure Comics, but I have not read it yet. So I I didn't even get to read oh, that backup. I'll read it. It's so good. That's like the Superboy Robin one. Yeah, but I'd be more now. I'm more curious about the backup, considering how you're you know playing up this this Legion story. But yeah, like like you said, like what it comes down to is there are like tons and tons of characters for the Legion to use and the Legion of Superheroes, and they're only giving them, like, ten pages, you know, a month. So how much can actually go into it? Just give Jeff Johns a Legion book. Just do it. He'll send Superboy Prime after you again if you don't. Oh, man. Can we go to Rebels now? Yes, we can. Okay. Since you did such a great job with uh, Adventure <laughs> Comics number four and five, why don't you give us a rundown for these two issues? So, I guess first off, what is Rebels? Rebels, it's... I don't actually know what the letters stand for. It's like R-E-B-E-L-S with periods after them. So it's it's going to be like a thing. But it's basically a protection for higher business out in space. They protect like 8 or 80 worlds or whatever. And it's run by this guy named Vril Dox from the Planet Call You, which is where, you know, talking about the Legion... There, a member Brainiac 5 comes from. He's like the green skinned smart bastard that's on their team. This is present day. It's a member of his race. It's Brainiac 2, he goes by technically. So you've, you got Vril Dox and his band of like, kind of like this hodgepodge of like DC aliens. Cause you got, you got a Dominator, you got one, one of the Kuns, you got, uh, just a bunch of races I don't think I've ever seen before. They're locked in this war with the, with Starro, the Star Conqueror, from like the very first ever Justice League appearance, except like, like the writers here, they're expanding on the Starro idea, like, like it's not like just a big starfish that happens to be named Starro. It's like a race of starfish-like parasites that are all like guided by this one dude, and he's trying to conquer everything. And this guy, like, he, Starro kidnaps Vril Dox's son, who is like one of the smartest people in the world, in the universe. And he's using him to like basically like just get his work his way out of the trap Dox put him in. Because he has like the entire sector of space is in a gigantic force field. He's trying to get out of it. So he's like, you know, I'll get his kid. He'll get it out. He'll get me out. And he hates his dad. So it's, it, it's win win. You know, while all this is going on, Adam Strange is is filling everybody in on what's going on back on Earth with the Black Lanterns and everything, and how it's spreading throughout the universe, which we get to see because uh, Real Dox's I don't I don't think wife, definitely definitely baby mama though, comes <laughs> back as a Black Lantern. So does Harbinger from the First Crisis, which. I thought it was, that's kind of out of left field, but awesome at the same time. They get into this epic space battle against these two Black Lanterns, and, like, throw in a random group of Sinestro Corps members. What you end up getting is a yellow ring spiraling out from a heart-harvested Sinestro member, goes on on Vril Dox's finger, makes him a yellow lantern, 
and he proceeds to just try and like blow up his ex. <laughs> Meanwhile, like 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 we find out like the Sinestro members that they have to rely on here, they've been they've been members for all of like an afternoon. <laughs> they have like a couple hours of experience because like Harbinger just keeps killing the person, following the rings to the next person, killing them, following the rings. It's it's hilarious. I like her. I think she's more entertaining in death than she was in life. <laughs> <laughs> so you got you got Docs, you got Rebels, you got Captain Comet and Adam Strange. They're all trying to make their stand against the Black Lanterns and Starro on this one random planet. And it's not going so hot, even though there's like two Black Lanterns and there's a whole group of them. It's 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 terrible. And but then it it starts to be okay because like the Black Lanterns are start, are evening the playing field. They're taking out all of like Starro's elite guard that the Rebels couldn't, and they're starting to fight Starro too, which frankly could tie up all of their problems ever. <laughs> but instead, they just kind of like real he uh, Doc's kind of realizes like okay. I have a freaking power ring. I'm just going to shove all these Black Lanterns into Starro's house, and we're going to leave. So he does, and they do. And then there's this great bit where, like, like Sinestro is ordering, you know, Sinestro comes over the comm, like, he's ordering all of his corpsmen to Korrigar to protect it. And Doc just keeps refusing, so the ring rejects him and leaves. And that's when he realizes, he realizes like, okay, we have to, we have to change how we do this. We have to, we have to go at Starro differently. So why'd you hate it? <laughs> um. Okay. Well, the first thing, I guess, I guess the first thing would be that the other members of the Sinestro Corps that are featured in in these issues are like. You know, it, th- these are characters who get rings based on the ability that they have, the ability to inspire great fear. And basically all I'm seeing is, like, a couple of guys that have just, like, you know, just, like, completely scared themselves. Well, they're being slaughtered by space zombies. Yeah, but still, you know, it's like, it, it's the kind of thing where you would expect a Sinestro Corps member to at least be a little more, uh, I don't know, made of sterner stuff, I guess I would say. And they just seem like, you know, just like a regular, you know, group of people working together. It's like, we need a better plan. I'm over to suggestions. It's like, come on. Like, really? I mean, when the big requirement is that you just have to be able to be scary, that doesn't necessarily say anything else about your character, you know? I mean, and add on to it that fear is subjective so it's like I'm sure there is someone out there who would see that the guy with like the face armor thing and just start peeing themselves because oh my god here comes this big guy he's gonna beat the crap out of me yeah but like if that person is a compassionate person or whatever then they're not gonna get a Sinestro core right you know like right here like when Harbinger is ripping the heart out of Meerschaum, like, you know, the, the white-haired chick is like, it's like, Meerschaum! No! You know, like, that's... It's just so... It, it, it seems very out of place for us in Astro Corner. They, they just... That means, like, she's one person closer to getting her heart ripped out, I think. I mean, 
I don't think it's I don't think it's tech, it's out of place for them to be afraid of being killed by a black lantern when they're be, when they've been like chased across half a sector by one and they just saw one chop a spaceship in half. And I mean like the other thing is when um when Stealth is looking at Docs as uh you know in Black Lantern vision and she's seeing him like completely green. He's like, you know, he's nothing but willpower. And then he goes, he, you know, he proceeds to use the yellow ring, you know, like expertly. And when, when what was it? Uh, during the Sinestro Corps War, Hal Jordan, you know, he's he's completely out of juice. He grabs a bunch of yellow lantern rings, charges them up, and you know, just using it to like, you know, fire. Like he he can't really control it. He's just like, you know, using it. And when he eventually goes up against Sinestro. You know, he's, like, shooting all this energy at Sinestro. And Sinestro made a point of saying, he's like, you know, Hal, you know, you have no ability to control fear. You know, you can just, you can use it, but you you can't manipulate it the way that I can. And it was completely ineffective. Hal doesn't understand fear. He's all about just get it done. Like, other emotions don't really enter into it for him. Like, whereas, like, Docs runs, like, he he basically runs a, like, like, a pr- uh, protection for higher racket, like, like t- picture like a slightly more altruistic version of like the mob coming around and breaking your knuckles if you don't pay them for protection money. You know this, like this this guy understands fear. I understand that, and I can buy the fact that he got a yellow lantern ring, without a doubt. But you know, it's like if that's the case, then why do you show him? as, like, completely green. Like, shouldn't it be green and also yellow as far as, you know, being able to inspire fear? Well, he... They they cover that later. Cause later on in the issue, when they're all talking, he makes a point of saying... Oh, uh, where is it? Let me see if I can even find it. Uh... Ba, ba, ba. No, not there... Where does he say stuff? All right, when they're like, when Adam Strange is filling them in on how like the Black Lanterns feed on emotion, and then somebody suggests, all right, we'll just try hard not to feel things or whatever. Doc says, you can try, but I suppressed my emotions around stealth, and the willpower required to do so only gave her exactly what she wanted. It's like he showed up as all green because he was actively trying to not feel anything. Hmm. Oh, and he was trying so hard that it registers willpower. Okay. Okay, I, I can so see that. There. It's a good point. Uh, but then again, it's like when when uh when he's questioning these you know Sinestro core members, you know he's like you know how long have you been in the the core anyway? And they just like it's like, they look like a bunch of sand sacks. It's like well um since this morning she's looking down. It's like. These these characters, you know, if they inspired any less fear, it'd just be funny. I'd be interested to see them before it really hit home the fact that the Black Lanterns are essentially invincible. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm sure, like, when the Black Lanterns first showed up, they were like, ha screw you, and they just started, like, like, ripping up on him all, like, all, like, 
confidently and such, but once it became clear, like, okay, he can just put his arm back on, and we can't actually harm him, and he'll keep coming forever until we're dead, and, oh, hey, he just killed one of our guys. Let's let's run away. Mm. So, Earth ain't Maltus. Well, according to this. Oh, what? You don't trust Tony Bedard? It's No, it's like... I wonder if there's, like, Maltus and, like, New Maltus or something like that. Mm. I feel like they would have called it New Maltus. Well, you know, I, I will... Well, it, they could have, like, hidden the original Maltus. Or the, the original place where the Guardians came from. If they didn't all come from Maltus. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, like... It definitely makes me question that theory. But, by the same token, like... I have a feeling that there's probably more to you know, the concept of Maltus and the origin of the Guardians that we don't know. Oh, yeah. So. Now, this is the first Rebels I've read. Like, and yeah. I, I I, liked it. And I I ordered the first trade before reading this, and I'm glad I did. Because after all the buzz, because when issue one came out at, like, DCBS, they had it for, like, a dollar or something. I almost had, I almost uh got it, but it was a heavy month, so I had to trim all, of, like, the non-essential stuff. So this didn't make the cut, and I'm like, oh, I'll get the trade eventually if it's any good. And then everyone's been loving the hell out of it. So I'm like, oh, damn it, when's this trade coming? So this is the first time I've read, like, their take on Starro. And, you know, one thing I've heard a lot of people say is, like, how crappy it is that, oh, Starro's, like, a guy and not, like, the giant starfish. Like, that was so cool, and now he's just a dude. Did you you also get the impression that, like, okay... He's at the end of the day he's gonna be revealed that like the real sorrow is like that big starfish on the guy's chest and not the guy. Oh actually, yeah, that that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that would really make a lot of sense. I think uh his face is like like burned it has a star burned on the face or something like that. Or is that one of his lackeys? No, that's him when he has his uh helmet off. And we know from um, when they try to take control of Harbinger or whoever mm-hmm. in the next issue, like, you pull a starfish off, it gives you that kind of mark. So it's right. like, okay, maybe he was a host that was taken, that would, like, you know, the leader to decide, you know what, I want that one, and jumped onto the body and then removed the face one. Or it could have been, like, uh, I mean, like, very, it very well could have been that the starfish jumped on his face and he was able to like dominate it and take it off. And then he like, you know, he took the one on his chest and now he controls all the rest of the starfish through that one. Oh, okay. Like some sort of that. like, you know, super, super willpower to override all of them. It's definitely interesting. There's def- there's, I feel like, and I'm in no way qualified to say there's going to be a twist. Cause this, these are the only two issues of rebels I've read. But, like, it feels like there's going to be a twist to this guy. It's going to be one of those. Uh, oh, and uh, just for the record, Rebels stands for Revolutionary Elite Brigade to Eradicate Legion Supremacy. Was this on, like, in one of these issues? <laughs> Did I just miss it? Oh, no, I went online. I don't know if it's in the book. I didn't oh. say it. Okay. I, I liked the relationship between Dox and his son. That was interesting. Because, okay, he's 
they have they have like this kind of intelligence ranking system where you know if you're a was a twelfth level intelligence you're like insanely smart and whatever, and his son was born with a twelfth level intelligence like pretty much from birth, and that was causing all sorts of problems. So Doc's what they say they chemically lobotomized him kind of so that yes. he could kind of grow into his own intelligence and like have like the kind of experience to temper it you know because docs comes off as a dick he like, he really cares about his kid and he's doing what he does for the best interest of his son but at the same time he's not afraid to throw his son to the wolves for the greater good and based on his son's choices you know you know what i just realized Issue what? 10. Issue 10 is uh, drawn by Andy Clark. And issue 11 is drawn by St. Aubin. You didn't know there was a different artist? You know, like, I guess it was a while since I read number 10. So I'm reading it, and it didn't occur to me then. And as I'm looking at it now, I'm like, I'm looking through the the, the second issue of the series. I'm like, I seem to remember liking the art in the first issue a little more. And I just went through the other one. It's like, yeah, that art is, it's very different. Yeah, I read them back to back. I'm like, wow, what the hell? Yeah. I like the first one better. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I, know who the series artist is. <laughs> me neither. The, the, first, the issue number 10 is, like, much better. Issue 11 is, is definitely good, but if you're going to read them back to back like that, that's, that's kind of a jarring change. Now, I hope... I mean, obviously they know more people are going to read this because of it's Black as Night tie-in. So I hope every issue of the series doesn't have... Isn't this loaded up with uh, character identific- identification boxes? I, I think it probably would be. They're pretty heavy on their uh, on their annotations in here, which could be a good thing. I mean, I like the little, um, the little blue boxes giving you, like, just random facts about stuff. Like, that's, that, that's kind of cool, cause, uh, even if only because of, like, the sources they cite. Like, when they're flying through space in their ship, and it gives a little blurb about hyperspace, it's taken from, like, like Star and Driver magazine or whatever. <laughs> like, because it's, like, about their vehicle. Yes. And, um... They they cite in the Encyclopedia Galactica a few times. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And I I I, I marked this one panel uh, in number eleven because it made me say, "Huh, Tony Bedard's a Star Trek fan," because it says it's talking about the planet and it calls it a Class M world. Don't they also use that in DC? I don't know if they do. It's because of Star Trek. Did you? I forget. You you like Futurama, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you remember, I think it was the Poplars episode, where they did, like, they stopped off for some food, and Leela's scanning the planet, and she's like, like, huh, according to this thing on my wrist, this is a Class M planet, but all the food I, the only food I see are all these Roddenberries. <laughs> no, I definitely don't remember that, but that's awesome. <laughs> Do you think Harbinger was just a random, let's throw her in, kind of person or yeah yeah pretty much which actually that that made me uh wonder something like she died from was it dark side and the whole when uh when supergirl 
first came to Earth this time around. It was the... Yeah, uh, before Infinite Crisis. Yeah, the Michael Turner-drawn story in Batman and Superman, or Superman-Batman. Yeah. There were a whole bunch of doomsdays that they sent down, like cyborgs or whatever like that, and that's how Harbinger died on Amazon, you know, the... Was it Paradise Island? Paradise Island? Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, like, re- she doesn't really have anybody that she's connected to, so sending her through space, you know, it's kind of a throwaway kind of thing. It's kind of like Pariah showing up in, like, what, the first issue of Black as Night. It's like, why him, other than the fact, other than, like, a, like a little nod to Crisis? Or maybe it'll have something to do with the Anti-Monitor still being the freaking battery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that one makes a little bit of sense to me. That one definitely makes sense to me. Um, it's kind of like Psycho Pirate showing up in Smallville. Or Alexander Luther being in the Justice League's death closet. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing that it got me thinking of, it's like, what about Doomsday? You know, like, well, first off, where is he? And second of all, you know, like, the amount of times that he's died and come back to life, you know, you would think that he would be kind of like a prime candidate for the Black Lantern ring coming to get him. You know... I haven't been reading Superman Secret Origin, also by Johns, but like I plan on getting the trade because I'm like that's gonna make a nice trade. So I've been waiting, but I've been listening to CGS covering it, and apparently, like, have you been reading? I don't even know. I read the first issue. I think I may have the second issue. Well, whatever issue has the Legion in it, right. apparently, like, like as they're leaving, there's some they make like some passing comments about like. The things to come, they're like, they're like, man, it's, it's, it stinks that he's gonna have to go through, like, you know, the death of Lex Luthor and the return of Doomsday, dot, dot, dot. And then they just kinda trail off and leave. So I'm like, huh. Oh. Maybe they're bringing Doomsday back. Well, not even maybe, they're bringing Doomsday back. <laughs> huh. I mean, like, his, his particular situation, Every time he dies, he he comes back to life immediately. You know, like, that's the kind of character who I think, you know, Necron would really, really want to get a hold of. Yeah. Like, keep him in death just for spite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me ask you this, like, because this has come up, I've seen this come up once or twice, like, among fans talking. If you die and you come back multiple times... Does that still mean only one Black Lantern of you, or would like would like Doomsday and Donna Troy each have like fifty Black Lanterns of themselves? If you're still alive using your body, then I can't see how there would be an additional Black Lantern of you. I think the only way that's okay. going to happen is like we saw in Blackest Night number five where the Black Rings go on to people that are living and convert them to living Black Lanterns. Alright. Or or if it's like the Hawks, where it's like, okay, they're reincarnated, so they're physically different bodies and all that. Exactly, yes. Oh. Yes. With that particular instance, you could conceivably go through time and find all of their dead bodies and have, like, quite a few. They could be a Black Lantern Corps. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. That'll be like the subdivision, like like the honor guard of the Black Lantern Corps will just be all Hawkman and Hawk Girls. 
So, are we good? I think we're good. Oh, one thing I wanted to note, because I thought it was kind of cool, because I, I really had no idea who made up this team. Like, I've seen cover images and stuff, but not known who the characters are. Okay. They have a character, one character here, and this goes back to the Legion. Uh, Wildstar? Okay. I saw that name, I'm like, wait a second. And I looked at her little blurb here. Uh, her powers are flight, strength, energy projection, and she's an el- interstellar tracker. There are two characters, actually there are the two characters spotlighted in the the le- last Legion backup of uh, Adventure Comics. Dawnstar and Wildfire. Yeah, and like she's a tracker, and he's like an energy being that flies around space shooting stuff. Right. And like this, this is some kind of present day, mic, like amalgam of those two characters. Like I don't know what the direct relation is. If this is a descendant of both of them, which would be weird because they're in love. Or, but I just thought like, okay, that's kind of interesting. They kind of put them yeah. together, and like she even because Dawnstar has like big like bird wings on her back. And here, like, Wildstar flies around with wings made of energy particles. I'm like, okay, I kind of like that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, that's 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 cool. I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to to see that first Rebels trade when it shows up because, like, I kind of like it. I like seeing like DC cosmic that's not necessarily Green Lantern, even though there's a lot of Lantern stuff in here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was it was okay. I I didn't love it. I may check this out in the future, like you know, another issue somewhere down the line, especially if they have you know more Green Lantern stuff in it. You know, like the next issue, issue twelve, would seem to me like they have to like reference the Black Lantern somehow. But uh, you know, we'll see. I think I'll probably wait to hear your review of the first trade to to see if I want to check it out myself. Okay. So, shall we take a break and then come back with news and other whatnot? Sure. Okay. And here is our official first commercial. Greetings, Lanterncast listeners. This is Green Lantern Stell of Sector 2828. I come to you with a message of galactic importance. Those of you who have followed my exploits know that from time to time, my robotic body gets destroyed and I must be rebuilt. If you have ever wondered where I go to get rebuilt, wonder no longer. I go to AroboSilver.com. Their talented silversmiths are always able to rebuild me, each time even better than the last. So if you need your robot body rebuilt, go to the people I trust at AroboSilver.com. Oh wait, my circuits almost failed me. For those of you out there who are not robots, they also have an extensive selection of silver replica Green Lantern rings, rings from other members of Earth's Justice League, plus a wide variety of other beautiful silver jewelry. For stellar quality, go to AroboSilver.com. They're the best in all the cosmos. Hi folks, Jim here, and I'm going to have to agree with Stell. Aroba Silver is definitely worth checking out. Sure, those free plastic rings that DC gave away were cool, but if you want something classy that will turn the heads of comic fans and non-comic fans alike, Aroba Silver is the answer. 
Go to aerobasilver.com to check out their amazing selection. And when you decide you need to get your own silver green lantern ring, type in the promo code DSC10 and save 10%. That's the letters DSC and the number 10 with no spaces, and you'll save 10% off your order. Arobasilver.com. Like Stell said, they're the best in all the cosmos. Hi, everybody. We're back. And uh, I guess we should probably talk about my wedding, Dan. Yeah, this is the first time I've talked to you since it happened. Yes. Like, scattered texts or whatever, but still, like... So, yeah, now you're, like, Mr. Jim Ford. Look at you. <laughs> yes, now I'm a married man. You gonna keep your name or hyphenate it? <laughs> uh, I have the easier-to-remember name, so she's taking mine. Uh, I, I think I said it at the wedding, but, like, I have a hard time... You know, rationalizing this, the uh, the Lauren that the listeners and I have heard here, with the Lauren that was like, like reading love poetry in front of a like a room full of people. <laughs> she didn't curse off the priest. She didn't <laughs> punch anyone at the party. Like, like this was not what I was expecting at all. It was such that was not entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, she she plays it up a little when uh, when she knows that we're recording, but uh, she she definitely has her you know her softer, calmer side, and uh, and that, that that's what she got for the wedding. <laughs> Plus, I imagine she was extremely tired because <laughs> she just finished planning and doing a wedding. <laughs> oh man, it, it was like it was a whirlwind. Like leading up to it, like we were so busy. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised how little recording we actually did miss, you know, considering how how busy I actually was. Yeah, man, <laughs> I like I loved how like you walk in the door of the uh, I don't even remember what it's called. It wasn't a church. It was like a was it it was like a hotel. Where did you get married? <laughs> uh, it was uh, a catering hall. They have two rooms, and one of them they set up for as like a chapel. Yeah, well, you you walked in, you see me, you're like, what? The, you give almost like a what the hell are you doing here? Look. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought it was hysterical that you're like the first person that I see, and it's like, oh my god, it's Dan. Oh god, I I almost didn't get there. <laughs> oh god. I found out because your wedding, you got married on a Saturday. Yes. And I found out like. Thursday night that my ride, my best friend, who was, like, going to drive me there and, like, accompany me, because this wedding's, like, two and a half hours away from me, or whatever, like, like she got hit by the flu, like, that day at work, and I find out Thursday night, like, okay, yeah, she can't go, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to have to make this phone call, or more likely, awkward text message, and then turn my <laughs> phone off for a week. Uh, but, you know, we got, we got last minute, we got my other friend, Jenny, to, like, to, to go with me, like, like, she found out Friday she was going to a wedding on Saturday, so this <laughs> was, like, great of her to go, especially yeah. since, like, like, okay, it was a two and a half hour trip from my house to the, uh, catering hall, and she lives an hour away from me, so it was, like, three and a half hours one way for her and then on the way back it was snowing the whole way so that added on another hour so she was in the car like 
for like eight hours, <laughs> starting at like seven in the morning, just to do this last wow. minute. That's the kind of thing where, you know, if a woman's going to do that for you, you buy her jewelry. <laughs> old, old high school friend. She was very nice. She was very, very nice. Um, yeah, so the wedding was great, you know, everybody was raving about the food, chocolate fountain, that's what I'm talking about, right? Chocolate, chocolate fountain. fountain! Oh my god, <laughs> that was so, although, when, when you're co, cause you sat me, I question your logic, cause you put me, like, right across the table from your boss, and expected <laughs> to come out of this employed. Cause, <laughs> I was saying with your, your boss and your coworkers, and one of them said, yeah, he has, they, they've got a chocolate water fountain, and I'm like, what? Because when you say chocolate water fountain, that conjures up different images than chocolate fountain. Like, I'm thinking, like, like there's, like, a fixture somewhere in this building where you push on the little bar and chocolate syrup comes out. I'm like, I'm living here now. <laughs> it's right next to the high sea fountain. The Kool-Aid man is in the bathroom handing out towels. <laughs> oh. The most magical place on Earth. <laughs> yes. Speaking of, oh wait, yeah. Before I get to that, what about the uh, cocktail hour? Did you did you get to try the uh, the mashatini bar? I didn't. They were like refilling it or something, and oh. we were already moving on. But <laughs> but like I, that was weird. Like I, I was wondering why people were putting like marshmallows in their drinks. I'm like, what the hell's <laughs> going on over there? Yeah. No. It's you know uh, martini glasses. And they have regular mashed potatoes and sweet potato mashed potatoes. And uh, then, like, a whole bunch of different toppings that you can put on it. So, like, marshmallows for the sweet potatoes. Um, they had gravy. They had chives. They had bacon bits and a whole bunch of different things, like fried onions and stuff. I have to commend you guys, though. I was so pleased with the amount of ham at this thing. Cause like I'm, I'm walking around the cocktail hour, and I just see like it's like it's like this angelic lit from above like corner of this dark room where there's just a cutting board with a big thing of ham on it, and oh, this yeah. dude behind it is like fresh cut ham. I'm like, yes. And he's just like, <laughs> so, so I just ate ham for a while, and then we go into like the main hall or what the 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 oh <laughs> where cake happens. And there's like a plate of fruit at the table with a slice of ham on top, just like <laughs> randomly. I've never associated fruit with ham before, but I'm like, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, melon with prosciutto. Apparently, it's like some sort of Italian thing that they do before a meal. And us Italians rock. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I want you, I want you to know, like all throughout the actual ceremony. I was listening to where you would, like, squeak in Green Lantern stuff. Like, all those readings from, like, Genesis and stuff, I'm like, all right, is this, like, standard for weddings, or did he pick this for some reason? So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like, your your family, I'm surrounded by your family and loved ones taking in the moment and taking pictures. I'm thinking to myself, huh, was that a reference from, like, Crisis number three, or what was it? <laughs> oh, God, no. Yeah, no, we, we talked to the minister, and he gave us some suggestions for, uh, you know, for readings. Um, if we had actually done our own um, wedding vows, then, like, I definitely would have thrown the, you know, in the brightest day in, in Blackest Night, you know, reference. But, uh, 
you know, I mean, like, we had so much other things to take care of, and we knew that, like, it was going to be difficult to, you know, try and, you know, have one more thing to worry about, basically, and as far as, like, remembering and, you know, saying, like, those those words. So, you know, we, we kept it traditional, but but had we gone the other route, you definitely would have gotten a Green Lantern reference in there. They do do, like, like, uh... Oh, I don't even know what they're called, like, little, like, renew, vow renewing ceremonies on, like, anniversaries and stuff. You can work that in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. So, for the honeymoon, we went to Disney World. And, I mean, like, it was, like, it was so much fun. It was a crazy amount of fun. But, like, the thing that, like, kind of struck me, I guess it was, like, Thursday. Like, you know, almost near the end of it. They're putting on, like, a show right in front of the, the the big castle in the Magic Kingdom. And, you know, the the whole theme of the, the, the thing is, you know, imagination and, you know, dreams and, you know, believing in yourself. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, you know, I love Disney. And, like, the parallels between Disney and Green Lantern as far as, you know, you, you have to have imagination and you have to believe to make it happen. It's like, you know, if that's not, like, the concept of Green Lantern right there, then I don't know. Jiminy Cricket could be a guardian. <laughs> I texted Lauren at one point. I asked her how how uh, badly she traumatized Goofy. And oh, she, yeah. yeah. She I says know. some things I can't repeat here. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> Some things just shouldn't happen behind the castle. <laughs> oh God! Let's uh, let's get into news and uh, feedback and stuff like that. All right. Okay. So, so here's the the thing that I I told you that I I saw, and uh, I was going to surprise you with. I was reading through Toy Fair, and there's there's a few different things that I'm going to mention from Toy Fair, but the first the first thing that I have to mention. Action figures from Brave and the Bold, Batman Brave and the Bold. It's not a Guy Gardner action figure. It's not a Nord figure. It's a Batman figure in the Green Lantern armor. Nice. Yes. It's called Skyshot Batman. No, wait. Yeah, I think it did. I think Jason texted me. Wait, is this out already? Um, No, it, I think it says March 2010 release date. Because maybe I'm thinking of something else then, because I feel like Jason texted me a picture of him holding it in the box or something. Really? The Green Lantern Batman? I think. I could be totally wrong. It's really, really cool looking. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Like, how big are those figures? Are they, like... They're about maybe four inches or so. Four and a half inches. They're, they're a little bit bigger than the, uh, the G.I. Joes, but smaller than a regular action figure. Like I'm not a big toy guy, but just some of the like the character ranges, like the choices they make for figures from that show are awesome. Like I have wanted to get a bunch of them just because like when else am I gonna be able to get a cool like Aquaman and Blue Be- Blue Beetle and Red Tornado figure that's not out of DC Direct, you know? Well actually there were pictures in here also of uh DC Classics. They're making the Blue Be- Blue Beetle, an Aquaman, and uh what was the other one? Red Tornado. Red Tornado. Yeah, I'm not sure about Red Tornado, but they they got a a really cool Aquaman and uh and Blue Beetle coming out. Which Blue Beetle? The new one. Oh, nice. 
from DC Classics. And also, the Aquaman has, like, a shiny golden, you know, shark thing. Hmm. So that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, so this, this, but this Green Lantern Batman, you know, he's got, like, the Green Lantern costume, and then his uh, armor is, like, this green energy jetpack kind of thing that helps him go around space. Cool. Might look for that. How expensive are those? Under ten bucks. Like, uh, probably looking at, like, seven, eight bucks. Probably, like, twelve if you get a comic store. <laughs> uh, okay, so the other, the other, uh, you know, news, uh, DC statues that are going to be coming out, they're starting up a Chronicles statue line. And there's, uh, this, this big Green Lantern one coming. I think it's, um, Tim Bruckner, I think. Hold on, let me check. Um, yes. Tim Bruckner sculpted DC Chronicles, and they have a Green Lantern. They'll have Flash and uh, Wonder Woman, and I'm sure other characters coming soon. Definitely a very, very cool-looking statue. What's really cool is they have these uh, these Dynamics, DC Dynamics statues that they've been coming out with. I know they've had uh, Wonder Woman, definitely. Um... I think maybe Flash was the other one, Aquaman. Um, but now they actually have a picture in Toy Fair of the, the Hal Jordan. It's very cool. It's like Hal Jordan's torso. He's got energy coming off of his fist. And then, like, the torso kind of, like, merges into just, like, energy, like green energy going down to the ground. Almost like he's, he's like, flying out of the energy kind of thing. Very cool. Okay. Is this like um, those uh the thing like I've seen like Bizarro flying out of like a square earth kind of statues? Um it's more like uh it's kinda like a bust, like a superhero bust, but if the base was like just really tall and came directly out of the action figure and the base was just energy. So yeah, so the Green Lantern one like the Wonder Woman one was cool looking. The Wonder the Aquaman I thought was just okay. They have a really neat look at Superman, um, but the Green Lanterns, like that's that's really cool. Um, the the next one, which I think is a kind of an odd choice, it's Heroes of the DCU, the the bus line that they have. They they did a Superman, they did a Green Lantern. The Green Lantern looks very nice on that one. They did a Green Arrow. They did a ton of characters. Well, now they're doing Sinestro, in his Sinestro core outfit. What? Yeah. Like, you know, I don't have an issue with them doing Sinestro in the Heroes of the DCU line. What I have a problem with is that it's designed by Gary Frank. Really? Yeah. Has he ever drawn Sinestro? I, I don't, I, not that I can remember. I Possibly. Like, I like Gary Frank's artwork. Like, don't get me wrong. I love his artwork. But, you know, I'm looking at this and... It's just, it's so odd. It's like, why wouldn't you go with, you know, Ethan Van Skyver or, you know, Ivan Reyes? Or Yvonne Hayes. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. It's just, it's odd. It's like, it doesn't look like the Sinestro from the comic. It, his face looks like, I don't know, almost like, uh, um, who who played Smokey and the Bandit? I don't know. <laughs> um... The guy with the mustache. He's really big in the 80s and 70s. Tom Selleck? 
Was it Tom Selleck? No, not Tom Selleck. Oh. Um, Burt Reynolds? That's it, yeah. It kind of looks like if Burt Reynolds had, like, a purple face and was looked very angry. Burt Reynolds needs to go for out for this part. <laughs> he needs to play Sinestro in the movie. Yeah, I mean, like, when, when you see the picture of this bust, like, you know, you'll see what I'm talking about. It looks, it definitely looks odd. Oh, my God. But, uh, I, I mean, it looks, it's cool looking. It's just, it's odd that they would go for that particular artist for that. Um, okay, so the other, the other news that I have, because this, this toy fair definitely had a lot of Green Lantern news. The Blackest Night action figures. Okay, so in uh, the most recent issue of Green Lantern Corps, we actually got a picture of some of the future figures that were, were not yet announced. But they're, uh, they're all in here. So the actual the lineup goes as follows. Um, well, that Wonder Woman from the, uh, the wave that they've been blacking out, that's a Black Lantern Wonder Woman. Nice. So right from the, the pages of uh, Blackest Night number five, it's going to be a Blackest Night Wonder Woman. Then August's Wave 5, which they haven't announced at all, is going to be Necron, Black Lantern Hawkman, Black Lantern Deadman, and a Black Lantern Batman. Uh, Black Lantern Batman is going to sell so much. Yeah, like I'm looking at that one right now, and they actually have a picture of that Necron and Hawkman. The Necron is just, like, really cool. Like, really, really cool. Batman's cool, too, but, like... His costume's crappy? <laughs> well, it looks exactly like the Batman, Black Lantern Batman from the comic. So his costume's crappy. Got it. <laughs> um, then, uh, Wave 6, the one after, you know, after that, this is going to be coming out next November, is going to feature Sinestro Corps member Arkillo. Oh, cool. A Black Lantern Hawk Girl and a couple of characters that they cannot reveal at this point because it would be too spoilerish. Nice. Well, I can guess one of them, but you know. Is it would it be spoilerish if we said it? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Okay. It, it's it's the it's the cover to the next Green Lantern core issue that just came out. Oh actually, um, that's not, it's not going to be one of those, because they go on to say... Really? Um, the seventh wave, which will be launching sometime in late 2010 or early 2011, will sport a brand new Hal Jordan figure, surprisingly the first in this Blackest Night series, and possibly a two-pack featuring Black Lantern, Terra, and Scar. I would actually like a Black Lantern Scar. That would be awesome, yeah. Um, beyond that, the team is also working on retooling the gigantic Mongol figure from the Infinite Crisis line with a Sinestro Corps symbol on his chest um, to release as a deluxe figure. And, uh, like, as if, if these figures keep selling, they're just going to keep making them. So, mm -hmm. so everybody keep buying them. I mean, like, the first two sets, I think, have pretty much sold out from uh, the distributor. Um, I know the first set has. So they're like they're selling like gangbusters, but um, does Arkillo look like he'll be like larger than any of the other guys? Oh yeah, like they actually have a picture of him. He's he looks like Kilowog level. 
Oh, okay, good. Because I remember, like, like Atrocitus is, like, the same height as everybody else, and it looks kind of weird. Yeah. But, like, okay, that's that's nice. Um, and what's very cool, because they have a picture of him right here, guess what he has hanging around his neck? Is his tongue there? Yes. Nice. That's a nice little touch. And then they said that, you know, future waves, if they, if they can make it that far, that they'd like to see a new Guy Gardner. Um... Uh, our first Mera, because she has a big role in this. Um, and then potential repaints of Guy Gardner. I'm not going to spoil what that repaint would be. Um, and and possibly other Black Lanterns like Elongated Man or uh, any of the other, you know, lanterns from the various colors that we've seen. And Come on, Rainbow Raider. <laughs> they, the, the Toy Fair article closes as... As long as we get a deck star, the Red Lantern cat before the series calls it quits, consider us in rainbow-colored heaven. Yeah, what the hell about that? Where's my rage cake? <laughs> Damn it. Everybody wants a rage cat. But, uh, yeah, so if you check out this month's Toy Fair, it's uh, issue 150. You can see a whole bunch of Green Lantern pictures and stuff like that. They, re- they haven't done any DC Direct figures based on Gleason's artwork, have they? From like the Green Lantern stuff. I think, I think the uh, the Kyle Rayner that's going to be coming up is definitely based on his artwork. Is it? Okay. I think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but seeing as how Kyle Rayner almost always, you know, is just popping up in uh, Green Lantern Corps. Now I guess it would have to be him. I hope they make a Miri figure. Yeah, man. Where that? I want to see that character again. Damn it. I forgot to complain about her not being in the last issue we read. <laughs> God, I would def- I think I would go for a, a um, Gleason-based Guy Gardner. Because I, I have, like, the... like I, I guess it was the first Guy Gardner figure DC directed. I have that in my room over there, standing on the shelf. Oh, from a while ago. Yeah, from way back. Yeah. And, like, like I would go for, like, one designed by Gleason. Because, honestly, when I think about the character now, I think about how he draws them. There's a uh, there's a version out by Ethan Van Skyver, which which looks really good too. That's the one where they all they did was like change the haircut and made it weird. It looked <laughs> odd. I'm like, no, give us a different Green Lantern. Give us an alien. I don't want that. This guy with a weird haircut. Um, you wanna do some feedback? All right. Where should we start? Should we should we go audio or? Well, I guess it's all audio. Should we go print or <laughs> voicemail? <laughs> Uh, first print, then voicemail. Alright, we got one from, uh, from Eric Ridgeway, Flash GL78, on the forum? Oh, for some reason I thought the number after his name was different than that. Oh well. And this is in regards to, um, the last round of issues we did, Green Lantern 48 and Blackest Night 5, we just didn't have a chance to get to any of our feedback then, because, you know, someone had to get married. Uh... He says, hey guys, both issues were awesome. First in GL48, boy how quick has Larfleas changed to comic relief compared to how he was portrayed in Agent Orange. Also, a green stop sign constructed by Hal was a bit weird. Uh, but Blackest Night 5, the first splash page gave me a uh, Power Rangers moment with them charging up and saying their oaths. I thought Larfleas had an oath. Um, I'm thankful Flash Rebirth number 5 came out a week before this so as not to spoil Wally's new costume. 
I had to do a double take on the panel where Bart was asking if they wanted the good news or the bad news first to tell Wally from Barry. The issue could have ended with Black Lantern Batman as a splash page, and that would still be great. I think the Guardians are finished no matter what. And, you know, we did we did end up addressing a lot of his points on the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of agree. Like, like, when I was reading the issue... And I got to that two-page thing of Black Lantern Batman. I kind of thought the issue was over, but it didn't. I'm like, wait a minute. There's no like, there's no title box or to be continued box or whatever. So I turned the page. and I'm like, oh, there's still like three, four pages here. <laughs> it's it's so weird. Like you would you would almost ex- think that would be their end page reveal kind of thing, you know? And he's, you know, again, I think we both agree with him about Wally's costume. And oh, what was the other thing? The Did we talk about Larflees and the Oath? I don't remember. Yeah, like the Orange Oath. I don't even know if I care anymore if Larflees has an oath or not. So this is like that came up so like they were talking about that nonstop, like in interviews and stuff for a long time of how great the Oath is and it's our favorite one and way you hear it, hee hee hee. And then it just never happened. Or if it did, they didn't tell us about it. Maybe it's mine. Maybe it's him making a random sound. It's like, all right, I'm like, whatever. Just either give us an oath for him or don't. I just, uh, you know, I, I pretty firmly believe that there is no oath, and that they were just saying that to like, to make you think that there would be like this crazy great oath, when in fact, like, there just isn't any for him. That sucks. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's almost like, you know what, okay, the Orange Lantern Oath, to me, is like the Marvel no prize. God. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's great, you know, we'll we'll send you a no prize. You know, you're not actually going to get a prize, it's like, you're just a big joke that, you know, everybody laughs, ha ha. It's like, oh, yeah, you gotta hear this Orange Lantern Oath, it's the greatest oath of ever. It's like, oh, yeah, wait till you hear the Orange Lantern Oath. Wait till you hear the Orange Lantern Oath. Well, we've seen, like, you know, how many different instances where he's recharged his ring, and there's never been an oath at all. It's like, come on. It's like, there is no oath. It's it's just, you know, it's just there to, to tease you. I would expect better from 2009 Spike TV Scream Award-winning writer Jeff Johns. Can we just play the voicemail now? Did you read, like, last year or something, they were going to, Marvel was going to try and bring back the no prize, but as, like, email? So it was going to be, like, the no spam, kind of? Like, not the official name, but I don't think they ever did it. No comment. (laughs) Alright, let's play this thing here. Hey guys, it's Chad. I had a question for you. I was here working at work at, uh, let's see, it's Black Friday. Yeah, retail on Black Friday. Loads of fun. Anyways, I had a question for you about uh, these uh, plastic rings that they're giving out with all the comics now, all the different core rings. If you have a collection of them and they happen to be in your pocket, and as you're using the facilities, the restrooms, you're organizing your pockets and making sure you're not too weighted down, and you have all these rings in your hand, what does it mean when the only ring that falls in the toilet is the Green Lantern ring? 
Does that have some kind of cosmic significance? Just wondering. Get back to me. Bye. First of all, Chad, if the Green Lantern ring is the only one that falls in the toilet out of the entire bunch, it's 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 a sign from the gods that I was right, that Green Lantern will be cancelled soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being the vessel of the destruction of this book. Um not really. <laughs> that was that was uh that was a good voicemail. Um Chad uh Chad left a couple of voicemails and you're going to have to wait to hear more from Chad. But uh, thank you, Chad, for sending in so much voicemail. Yeah. Why would, Why do you think he was, like, rifling through his pocket full of Green Lantern rings while he was, like, going to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe he wanted to... Uh... Zip up his pants while wearing the red ring. I don't know. The hell? Why? Oh, my God, I don't know. Oh, wait, no. He wanted to zip up his pants while wearing the yellow ring. That doesn't make any more sense than the red ring. What the hell are you talking about? Makes makes slight, slight bit more sense. Oh. He's going to the bathroom. Ye- yellow is... Yeah, yeah, yellow. The color of... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh God! Yes, let's uh, let's move on, please, for the love of God. Um, you don't have anything else, right? Ah, uh, no, I think I think I'm good. I think that's okay. that's the only yeah. So then, <laughs> uh, just want to send out congratulations to our listener Kyle Albee, who uh, just became a proud dad. So congratulations, Kyle. Aw. Do we know, like, was it a boy or a girl, or? Uh, yes, boy. It's a little boy. Is It's, uh, ah, okay. Lane Campbell Albee. So. Nice. Hopefully we have a, a new listener that works. <laughs> wow. You, you never know. Like, some people, like, like, they'll put headphones on the pregnant woman's belly so the kid can, like, get smarter in the womb. Maybe he was listening to us. Oh God! I hope not. <laughs> I'd be traumatized. The uh, kids' first words are gonna be like, "This artwork blows." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't understand the point for this. Why would they give a yellow ring to this guy? He's clearly <laughs> not scary. Uh, Rage kitty. Yeah. No, <laughs> mama. Rage, Rage kitty. kitty. <laughs> Oh man, when when this when this baby is uh starts to you know talk and whatnot, it's, it's gonna be like nick knock nick knock knock nick knock. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's gonna oh. speak an indigo lantern. <laughs> Dude, oh. if if it's any way possible, we have to get this kid like a crib plushie, <laughs> oh, just man. for the irony. That'd be awesome. Oh okay. my god! So congrats, Kyle. And now, now some more good news. Dan, would you like to do the honors? Lauren is pregnant. Oh, um... No! Not yet! Oh. We have to get new listeners somehow. (laughs) The most efficient way, without us doing any extra work, is for our listeners that we already have to procreate. (laughs) (laughs) This time next year, our audience could double. (laughs) 
Uh, we're terrible people. <laughs> um, so, I guess we can talk about this now. The um, Yes. It was confirmed, finally. <laughs> yes! Alright, this March, what's our show called? Lantern Cast <laughs> will yes. be making... Us. We'll be making it, its convention debut of sorts. We are going to the Comic Geek Speak Super Show in Reading, Pennsylvania. This is the... I should have the dates. They're Yay. right here. Should have them. <laughs> it is March 27th and 28th at the Greater Reading Expo Center. Uh, this... I went to this last time. When was the last one? It wasn't last year. It was like two years ago, right? Uh, actually, it was last year, last uh, September. Oh, that's right. It feels like longer. It was last September. This is the second one. They they actually had the... They were going to have it this past September, but another convention was happening at the same time. They, they figured, all right, you know what? This works out better anyway because it's the five-year anniversary of their show. So it's all cool. We have more time to put stuff together. And now the Lantern cast is going to have a table at this convention. Yes. It's going to be the first time you and me and Jason have ever, like, met in person all together. Like, yes. it'll be like, I guess you and me are third time meeting, but, like, Jason... Honestly, it would be funny if Jason was, like, three feet tall. I would love it. <laughs> all the photos are photoshopped. Yeah, it's all, like, doctored. Like, they put his head on, like, someone else's body. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of things. Are you still on track to finish your red battery, do you think? Um, I've had to take a break from it because of the wedding, but I am confident that it will be finished. Okay, so that's going to be on the table. You were talking about raffling that off, I think. Or am I misremembering? Well, hopefully, if I'm able to finish it, yes. (laughs) We're going to do that. We're going to have, like, promotional CDs and such. We're... Oh, and I guess I'll I'll throw this out there, too. If you've been listening for a while, you may remember a few episodes back, we we did a DCBS sponsorship and then promptly never did it again. Discount Comic Book Service, they are not a sponsor of the show, but they did help us out. We, that was that was a little thank you to them for helping us out. They hooked us up with a few bags of the Color Core rings. Yes. And we will be giving these out for free at our table at Super Show. They'll be like like some sort of bin on the table where you can just come up, you can take your color, and it'll be awesome. And I will say up front that because of popularity, they weren't able to get us any of the green, blue, or red, but we have plenty of everything else. We have, I'm looking at them right now, like I'm looking at full bags of yellow, violet, indigo, and orange. So if you want to walk around the convention, if you want to walk around for an entire weekend with a fistful of orange rings on both fingers, you can do it. Just come by our booth, say hi. Yeah, actually, I should have some other rings there. So if people want to come by and pose in the uh, the classic Green Lantern cover with Hal Jordan with all the uh, the rings all over his hands, should be able to make that a possibility too. Nice. What do you what What do you have? What are you bringing, ring wise? Oh, ring wise, uh, just ones that I picked up. Like I'll have. Uh, I picked up, like, a bunch of green ones just so that I could recreate that cover. Um, ah, nice. Yeah, so. 
I ended up, like, when they did the Black Ring promotion, I, I ended up with, like, a second one by mistake, so I'm throwing that in there. So there's going to be one Black Ring mixed in with the, th- the pot. Well, what we might do is, because uh, like I like I said, I did get a few extras of the red, blue, and green. So maybe we'll put a couple of sets together and raffle those off. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, we might even have shirts. Oh, yeah. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. I have no idea how long it takes to make those, but <laughs> we, we <laughs> might have shirts. Um, and, yeah. I, well, we'll have we'll have more stuff there. Um, we're gonna let that stuff be a surprise for now. But uh, yeah, I mean, go to what what is it? I have no idea where they can go to get tickets, but they should definitely go to get tickets quickly. Go to comicgeekspeak.com. There's like there's a bar going across the top that has you know you can click on Super Show, and then that'll take you to another section of the website where you can click on you know you can click on whatever you want to know. You can click on tickets. You can click on maps, hotels, which, you know, that's another thing. I got, like, I got pissed yesterday, like, late, late last night, right before I had to read Rebels. <laughs> I got pissed. Because, <laughs> all right, the Days in had this awesome deal going. You could get a room for, like, 55 bucks a night. And, like, people last year who went to the, the show... They were talking about how, like, yeah, I paid 85 a night last year. This is an awesome price. And, right. like, I didn't think about it last time around because I had family in the area and I could stay with them. It didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. This year I'm I'm going. I'm going with friends. We don't have the family thing to fall back on, so I'm getting the rooms. And I looked around, and there's, like, a cluster of hotels in that area. And, like, most of them around there were, like, almost twice the price. And, like, like this Days in thing was, like, awesome. And, like, I had to wait to make sure I could coordinate to make sure everything was cool with the people I'm going with. So last night, I sit down to book the room, and in, like, two weeks, it went from $55 a night to $95. And I'm like, are you kidding? It, it, like, it doubled. It, like, doubled. Oh, my God. I'm like, I don't... Oh, that sucks. And I'm thinking, like, okay, it's the holidays, and I'm like, but no, wait, no, this is for March. That shouldn't matter. Yeah. So what what happened? Like they just raised the rates? I don't know. I was gonna call them today and find out. We started recording as soon as I woke up this morning, so I haven't done it yet. Uh-huh. Oh man! But I want to see like, cause I don't think they did group rates last year for the for the sh- super show mm-hmm. or anything like that. But no. Yeah, I don't know. Last year when I went with Lauren, yeah, we we paid like I think eighty five dollars a night, but we only stayed one night. Yeah, and I don't know if, like, if it's a case of, well, they saw, okay, all these other hotels around us are charging around this, and it's working for them, so, yeah, let's go up. But it seems like they would, I don't don't even know. I don't know, that's really odd. I don't know if they would, like, do more business with a lower price, because they have a fixed number of rooms anyway, but I I don't know. That's just, I'm just disappointed, like, if I had done it earlier, we would have had it. For a much better price. Yeah. What what uh what dates did you say it was? It is the twenty sixth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh. Let me just check again. It's not March. Twenty seventh, twenty eighth. Okay. Of March. Um, uh, I want to check this out now. And hopefully, I would put it. I put in something wrong, because like there's gonna be because there's enough of us going that we're getting two rooms. Right. It would be like 
I forget how it worked out. Like everybody would like chip in sixty bucks or something. It, it, in terms of like a convention weekend, staying two nights in another right. state, like it would be really, really affordable that way. You know. Oh, wait a second. I I'm calling it up now. Oh wow. According to this, because I I just checked it, and it says uh, for for two adults. Oh. Um. Uh, two yeah for two adults a two double bedroom, um, non-smoking or smoking, the average nightly rate would be forty-seven dollars, for a grand total of a hundred and four dollars and seventy-eight cents for two nights. That's for a pair of rooms. No, that's for one room. That's for one room, for two nights. But then the nightly rate is only forty-seven dollars. It's it's if the nightly rate works out to with taxes like. $57.50 or something, it would be $90 per night for two rooms for a grand total of like 200 bucks. Okay, let me check for two rooms. Oh, wait a second. No, no. No, because what you're looking at, yeah, okay, I just typed it in. The average nightly rate would be $94.40 with taxes being $20 for a grand total of $209.00 that's that's 210 bucks for two nights for two rooms. That's not for just one room. So it is still... So it didn't go from... Right. No, it didn't go up. So it's you're telling me it's still like 55 bucks a night? Yes. Huh. <laughs> Are we going to edit this out? <laughs> I mean, we've, we've just been like... We've just been sitting here searching on the internet for room prices... <laughs> we should probably edit this out. I'll 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 make it interesting. It'll be fun. Okay. Uh, really? So it's the same? Huh? Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. So I'm good. They just multiplied it by two. It went from forty-seven twenty to ninety-four forty. It's exactly twice as much. Oh, all right. Cool. <laughs> yep. Nice. So yeah, <laughs> Comic Geek Speak Super Show. <laughs> Okay, and you know, I, I know, like, like, take it from me. I, we, we won't. We both went to this last time. It's basically in the middle of nowhere. Like, if you're going to this convention, you're going specifically for the convention. Like, there's no city to walk around unless you want to drive like an hour to Philadelphia or something. It's so incredibly worth it. Like last year, you walk it. You walk in there, and by the end of the weekend, everyone in the room is friends, except you and me, because I didn't know you were there. And it was so just laid back and fun. Like, I recommend everybody try it out, at least. Hello. Wait, uh, Lauren is signaling me. She's, like, giving sign language. I think she wants to walk across the street, buy a baby, and stick it in the refrigerator? This is staying oh, in. Oh god! I'm like I'm seeing like the walking. I want to walk. Dishing out something. You're holding like it's like I'm holding a baby. Put it holding a baby. Holding a baby. Put it in the refrigerator. 
want to eat the baby too? I put it in the fridge. Oh god. These are her maternal instincts kicking in. Yeah. Buttons. No, Can no, please buttons? don't. Can I have buttons? No. Buttons. I like. I want to push the button. No buttons. Buttons. Tell, tell Lauren we're keeping this part in. <laughs> Close. I want to go to Staff Chat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you get care of sex? No. Okay, let me finish up. I'm almost done. Okay. You having a dinner party? <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you in a couple. Alright. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, like you were saying, um... <laughs> Check your fridge later. Just... Yeah, really. <laughs> just make sure. <laughs> like you were saying... Oh, my God. Um, it's right by the, uh... <laughs> <sighs> yeah? 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 Uh, the, the Reading, Pennsylvania area is right by Lan- Lancaster. So they have, like, you know, a huge set of outlet stores over there. So, if you want to, like, if you and your significant other, you know, are considering going, but the significant other has no interest in comic books, you can just bribe her and tell her that, hey, look, if we go to this convention, all you have to do is drop me off, and then you can, you know, hook up with all the other wives and girlfriends that are going to be going to the outlet center and have fun with them. Yeah, because I think there's basically, there's the convention center... There's a cluster of hotels, there's a few places to eat, there's the outlets, and there's, like, isn't there a mall, like, yes. within a half an hour or something? Actually, there's a mall, like, you know, right by Reading, that's where uh, Golden Golden Eagle is. Yeah. Did you go last year? I did not, I only went to the convention. Oh! What? Oh man, no, I went to I went to Golden Eagle. I actually went to uh, episode three hundred as well at Golden Eagle. It'll be interesting to see it. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll try to swing it this year. I'll be like, hey Jim, watch the table. I'm going to the bathroom, and I'll come back in like four hours. The Golden Eagle was <laughs> awesome. Oh, uh, but uh, I'll be wearing yeah. shirts and hats that say Golden Eagle on it. <laughs> Did you go to Golden Eagle? No. no. <laughs> Oh, boy. You're going to have fun editing this episode. (laughs) Oh. You know, somebody was telling me on Facebook, I want to say it was like GL Kidda. Kidda? I don't know how to say things. But uh, (laughs) he said, like, he was interested in hearing, like, an unedited episode out of us at one point because we mentioned how long it takes to edit them or or something. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe this is the day. (laughs) No, he doesn't. (laughs) I think that's John Godwin. GL Kitta is also John Godwin. Let's send him the um the original of uh Secret Origin. Oh my god. Oh, that was like horrendous. the six hour long. Oh, the yeah. ordeal. And we tried to work in like all of uh Emerald Dawn as well. Oh, whoa, that was a mess. Oh god. Yeah, that, you guys got that lucky. That was episode with- one. You guys oh got God. lucky with episode one. <laughs> episode zero was like was so easy and so nice. I, it took a while to edit, but that was a good one. Zero is our best one. <laughs> our show like died on the table the very next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did that episode after. 
Well, we did episode half, and then we recorded episode one, and then the time that it took to rec- to edit episode one, we then did episode two, and I think episode three, and then episode one came out. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, we we gotta get going. All right. Let's uh do the wrap up. Oh, I re- I realized what I forgot last time. I forgot to do our voicemail, which is 206-600-7357. Or you can uh, go old school and contact us via lanterncast at gmail.com or jim, dan, or jason at lanterncast.com or talk to us on our forum at thecomicforums.com, which you can also get to uh, from lanterncast.com. And we're on iTunes, and we have Facebook, and... Jim has a baby in his fridge. <laughs> There's no babies in my fridge today. Your wife is crib. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I can't think if there's anything else that we need to say. I don't know. It always feels like we have more stuff. But, no. Yeah, well, we'll remember it next time, maybe. So, uh, thanks. Thanks again to Aroba Silver. And um, I guess uh, we out. Yeah, come to Super Show. Get your tickets in advance. They probably sell them at the door, but, you know, get them in advance anyway. They'll let them pay for more stuff. Yes. It's awesome. We'll talk more about it. Okie doke. So long, everybody. Night. Why'd I ever have to say Words of shame Words I should never say again Why'd you ever have to read between the lines Creating stories That should have been all left behind Why'd you ever have